Hi, it's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa, and I give a shit. I fucking give a shit about you, you people out there. And it's a it's a, a gray day, and uh, I uh, I had like a big big fucking disaster this week, you know, um, that I don't even want to talk about. But I just want you to know that like uh, it's a life altering. I should talk about it, but I'm not going to right now. I'm not ready to. But I had a life altering disaster a couple of weeks ago, and um, I'm sort of dealing with it right now. And I realized that the last couple of weeks, this is, you know, I was kind of down. And today I feel a little bit better um, because I have been working through the dilemmas that this particular uh, life-altering thing have have had on my uh, uh, day-to-day, you know. But the thing is, is that... um, so there's growth. And also, here's the thing. You have to be flexible. I listened to Alan Watts, and it really helped me because the only thing you can count on is change. So if you're good with the change, and my guest who you're going to meet in a minute is nodding her head. Like if you, the, the more you can embrace the change, the actually, the more stable your life is going to be. That's what I learned. That's what I learned from this fucked up thing. And I also think that the only thing that's really fucked up, uh, which this is nothing to do with, if something really goes wrong with your health or the health of people close to you, you know, that, that, that where, you know, well, the health we all want, we all wish everyone in our lives, good health, even Donald Trump. But the thing is, I'm a very generous person. But the thing is, is that, uh, you know, it does make me grateful and uh, you should be grateful too. and uh, get out of your, get out of your rut. You don't get out of your rut and embrace change. Okay. Um, this is really appropriate because I have somebody on my show today, my guest patient, Laura B. Reagan. Regan. Regan. Yeah. Say hi, Laura. Hi. And Laura uh, is the owner and proprietor. Would you? Wait, what does it say here? It says owner and I was trying to think of how to how, operator is right. the word I'm operator. looking for. <laughs> owner and operator of the Footlight, which is personally one of my favorite places. One of the places that made me wish I didn't live near the Morgan stop and I actually lived in a cooler part of Bushwick, which I don't (laughs) because then I would go there a lot more. But I do want you to know, Laura, that uh, I made a big point of going there New Year's Eve. Did you? I don't know. Well, you know, I don't expect you to remember. You do? I I do. I will. I was very sick. I don't know if you knew that. I I didn't. I had the flu. I and did not I, know that. I didn't, I didn't either until like halfway through that shift. And, really? Oh God. I, my fever was awful and I didn't know. Oh. And uh, until like the end, I was like, I think this is the flu. <laughs> Cause like as soon as wow. everybody left, I like went to the bathroom, and, like threw up. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. My fever was like 103 or oh, something. Oh no. Yeah. And I was, and like, there was no one else that could work that shift that night. Oh so my God. I just had really? to like power through it. Wow. I've never been that sick. So you got what you got what it takes. You know what else? My biggest phobia is throwing up. 
So I just want you to know I'm really, really grateful that I did not get that. Right. I know. That was the worst part is that like I uh, I didn't realize how sick I was. I tried to get it covered because I didn't feel great and nobody could do it. And I got to work and I started working through it. And I was like, this, I just don't feel right. Do you, do you have phobia about throwing up? Or are you okay with it? No, I'm pretty used to throwing up at this point. <laughs> I drink a lot. Drink, So you're okay <laughs> with it. You're okay. Look at her laughing. See, she's so much more chill than I am. This is so true. This is so true. I'm really tightly wound right now. Um, which is why my point, uh, part of what I want to get to today is that, um, Laura and uh, the Footlight is celebrating their one-year anniversary of being in business, a, yeah. a whole year, and the uh, party, which I'm planning on attending, and you should too, you folks. <laughs> Come on. Come on, you deadbeats. Get out of those basements. I picture my, my listeners like in a basement, like watching <laughs> watching TV or something, you know, like I don't know who they are. Watching I don't know who Netflix. they are. Yeah, who knows what but anyway, so you guys should uh, get out of your basement and, and come to this party at the Footlight. Uh, there's going to be a link on my Facebook page. But before we get any further, I want to remind people that they are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, which is the best radio station in the wet Western Hemisphere. So uh, we're we're a little modest about it, but it's true. And um, we... Um, you know, we we are really expanding. I mean, we, we had a group meeting last weekend, and it's crazy how our numbers are up. But we can't keep offering, like, we're going to be doing uh, things like educational programs. We're, we launched RFB2, which is local bands. Did you know about that, Laura? I think I heard about that, yeah. Yeah, we have a service now, a streaming service. That's so cool. That's just, it's like the local band, it's Brooklyn Band's. It's like the Spotify Brooklyn bands. Right. So, I think Sunnyvale just started uh, uh, another venue pretty close yeah, by. Yeah, where they uh, Sunnyvale also has started like Spotify playlists for bands. That oh, are Spotify playlist. Oh. Yeah, which I think is a great idea. I think Footlight might start doing it too, but I just want to give credit where credit's due. It's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, good job, yeah. Sunnyvale. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, you should uh, go to our um, fit, our um, you know dub. Uh, Brooklyn Radio Free Brooklyn dot com and donate. Go to the donate page and just put in a couple of bucks. Free press is really important these days, and we we need your support emotionally and you know tangibly. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we did that. Mm-hmm. So what I thought uh, Laura and I could talk talk about today, just so you guys know, also like Laura and I um, have definitely like been in the same room many 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 times, and I know much more about Laura and um, who started her her thing at uh, Bowery Poetry Club, which I was a big fan of. And just we were all so excited when she brought her 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 stuff, her vibe to um, the footlight a year ago. And uh, I kind of know more about her <laughs> than I do know, have spent time with her. Mm-hmm. Right, Laura? Would you say this is sort of maybe... Yeah, I yeah. feel like we've crossed paths many times, but never had really this is, this is, the opportunity to have good conversations. This is it. This yeah. is our moment. Other than when you used to visit me when I worked at Life Cafe. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Life you Cafe. You and your husband used to come into Life Cafe and sit at the bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's the most we ever really got to talk. Maybe. That... And then I used to run into you sometimes at like Pine Box and stuff. 
Pine box. Too, in yeah, 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 yeah. We've yeah. crossed paths many times. Many times. Yeah. Many, many times. Uh, so so um, we're going to be getting to uh, all know each other a little bit better together. But um, so I wanted to focus on uh, what what we're going to do a little intake, find out like why somebody would have their have it in their wherewithal to actually do something like have a music venue and all that stuff. And and then uh, mostly we want to find out what the fuck is it like to have the journey that. Uh, Laura's been on this past year of opening a new music venue, which has, by the way, got won uh, the best of Bushwick just recently. Uh, Paul, uh, li- uh, whatever you call it, uh, yeah. voting. What do they Bushwick, call the, the Paul? Bushwick Daily Paul. Bushwick the, Daily Paul yeah. for best live music venue. Yeah. Voted by the people that read the Bushwick reader poll. That's a it's word. a reader. Poll. It's a reader yeah. poll because we're not technically in Bushwick, although we are like two blocks away from Bushwick. Well, everybody <laughs> thinks of Ridge, Ridgewood. Yeah, it's yeah, Ridgewood. We, Ridgewood's more Bushwick than Queens, don't you think? Uh, I would disagree. I've lived in Ridgewood for four years and I used to live in Bushwick and I lived in Bushwick for three years. So I don't know. I think Ridgewood has a very different vibe. It's way more neighborhoody i would even say it was more diverse and it's uh i don't know it's it's more like it's i joke that it's where everyone goes to to move uh when they've grown up a little bit and tired (laughs) it's like retirement (laughs) ridgewood um, ridgewood is like bushwick retirement (laughs) oh so so they should have a hipster senior center that's going to be my next that should be your next year we're going to do that together now i can (laughs) see that music and retired and music and seniors seniors senior center for musicians well like i feel like the next phase of my life i'm probably going to end up leaving the city at some point and I want to like go to someplace rural and open up like a retreat space for artists. Oh. I I know a lot, which is kind of going to be like a retirement home for artists. Uh, sign sure. me up. Sign yeah. me up. I mean, it's kind of been this, the footlights always like something like the footlight has always been something I wanted to do mm-hmm. since I was 14 I, mm-hmm. I, and was starting to play in bands and had no place to play as a kid. And I thought like, we need to have more all ages venues. So like I had this idea that like someday I would open a venue and, and put, and Footlight does do all ages shows sometimes on the on the weekends if, mm-hmm. if, if oh, someone right. wants to. So like we're pretty open to it and we're actually legally allowed to do it because we have the two separate rooms. So oh. we just have all the kids go through the back door oh, and maybe. then have security and like take care of that. Maybe and, I can do psychotherapy on uh, audience volunteers eight to ten. Oh, man, that would be <laughs> actually that's kind of fun, huh? Kids say the darndest things, you know. <laughs> yeah, that might be kind of funny. Yeah. Hey, all right. So you and I are already generating ideas, but let's get back to you. So let's do a little bit of intake. So where where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. In the, Actually, Boston, too. In like, an urban area? Uh, well, I mean, Boston, I, there, Boston's pretty spread out. I grew up in West Roxbury, which is what they call the hidden suburb of Boston. So it's like a suburban type. And yeah. what kind of parents did? Also, I want to point out that your father actually is so proud of you. Is your father <laughs> there? Uh, yeah, my parents are still... Is your father listening? Joseph. I, he probably... Mr. Regan, Regan whatever your name is. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> and also she's getting married. Laura's getting married in two months. Yes. Wow. I know. So um, congratulations, uh, uh, Joseph. Joseph yeah. Re- Regan. Yeah. He was in the army or something. No, he wasn't. Well, what what's on his Facebook page? Oh, he's uh, he's he does like the uh, ancient and honorary, you know, like the 
they like dress up and like do parades and stuff. And, well, that's weird. Yeah, oh, he's really into it. He's, I'm, I'm proud is of that him. Like, is that like, is that like, uh, what do they call that, that you know, uh, medieval thing? It's like veteran adjacent. Oh, is he a veteran? <laughs> no. That's what I'm saying. It's I'm saying. freaking weird. It's, but you know what? He's Good very for patriotic. you. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Is he Republican? No. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. My parents are my parents are pretty uh progressive mm-hmm. uh awesome people. So what did what did they do? Uh my dad was a restaurateur most of my life. He wow. owned his own donut shop and oh. I worked for him for four years at his donut shop in what, Needham, it, Massachusetts. Like four to eight or um <laughs> child labor I, I did have my working like papers school? yeah like i yeah i started high working school. there when i was 14 mm-hmm. and then i stopped working when i went to college mm-hmm. when i was 18 and how about your mom what did she do uh my mom works now she works for the court uh she works with the clerk of court and she's been working for the city for i don't know like what does she many do years um i mean it, basically like when you work with the clerk it's like an administrative sort of administrative job. Yeah, but and she you, gets to sit in the courtroom a lot and like mm-hmm. take notes and things like that. And you have brothers or sisters? I have one little brother. Yeah. He's a corrections officer. Holy fucking shit, really? He's the polar opposite of me. Is he fucking tough? Uh yeah. He is. Is tough. he is he buff? Um, he's pretty like he's very tall and has very broad shoulders and he lifts a lot of weights, but um yeah he's not, is he he's scary not could he buff. kick your ass um yes could he kick my ass he could kick pretty much anyone's ass so how did it get so tough <laughs> um i don't know being my little brother <laughs> well, just... i was pretty tough when i was a kid i was a tomboy and i beat people up all the time and that was the example that he had to follow so so you obviously are really you're close to your both your parents yeah and so what was like what was your childhood like like what my childhood was pretty amazing. I have to say, I'm very lucky. We, we lived on a dead end street. So when there was a bunch of other kids on it and we just like played outside all the time. Oh, and man. I had like the 50s child <laughs> childhood. So jealous. We would like stay out till the street lights came on, play oh, flashlight shit. tag. Yeah, it was like pretty no much wonder, picture no perfect. You seem so happy. Yeah, we had a pool, <laughs> you know. Wow. I know. Well, my dad, when my dad did really well at, Uh, with his donut shop for quite some time and you know we were able to buy this really great house and a pool nice you know then you know things didn't go as well (laughs) for a long time oh so so, you know so but when you were growing up when we were high school was pretty stable through high school or Um, what happened when did the down how was the downturn what happened well honestly like my parents sheltered us a lot from uh the struggles that they're going that they were going through Mm -hmm. um which i appreciate but also joseph I appreciate that they sheltered us, but you know, now that I'm an adult, you know, and going through my own struggles and my own financial struggles and trying to like, you know, be a business owner. And I've, I've learned so much from my parents and now, now they're being really open about a lot of stuff Uh, that like they hid from us when we were children. uh, And I, I'm honestly like in awe of my parents. So they made it, do you think they made it look the easy? Do you think it made it? Oh yeah, they did. So do you think that, that you were... I'm, I hate to say this word naive because I hate this word for some reason. But do you think you were naive a little bit when you opened the footlight? Uh, no, because of them. No, definitely no, not. Were, I knew what I was getting myself. And into. were they honest with you uh-huh. before that? So you, 100%. All, the dirt all came out. Oh yeah. So because, you, yeah, once I started going down that path, my dad was extremely honest with me, and my uh, mom was honest with me, and 
you know, they even, they helped me with a lot of the business planning and the financial stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, I, I wouldn't have been able to do this without my parents. Right. So now it makes a lot more sense why you were able to open such a, it's a, I mean, it's a big venue guys. It did, it if you haven't us been three there. Years. It took us three years to actually open. Cause because. It, there was a, well, there was like a year's worth of planning. Cause I'm really OCD about <laughs> about planning so Mm -hmm. like i probably rewrote my business plan like seven times do you have investors yes oh i see yeah so like i uh i'm the main owner and operating partner just Mm because i'm i do all the work and i don't get paid (laughs) and then we have like a slew of investors from all walks of life you know you know victor vernado's an investor i did not know that and he still hosts nyc talent show which was at the bowery now he hosted a footlight right um he's been a huge supporter there's you know a lot of other investors from the neighborhood people that i know neighborhood people that i know and um yeah it's it's been a collaborative effort i did not monetarily interesting (laughs) yeah i mean i couldn't have done this um, on my own financially i mean i've been a bartender for 12 years and like I never made enough money to like make that much savings. But, you know, when I talk, when I wanted to do this, I started talking to a friend of mine who also is in business and marketing and such. And she was like, Laura, you can't wait until you have the money to do this because then you'll be waiting forever. You just need to find the right people. You need to have a business plan. You need to have a pitch and you need to get the right people and inspired. Wow. Yeah. So I wrote a really solid business plan. I did Mm -hmm. a ton of research, a ton of market research, talked to all my friends who Mm -hmm. are business owners, who are bar owners in the neighborhood. Um, I, yeah, I was just like a constant like sponge of information about operating a business that's like this. So you're, so, um, now I can see like, but so from your, you know, where your background that, you know, it wasn't as like, to me, it's like, whoa, how the fuck does somebody do that? And I know it's like, not to take anything away because it's Mm. really like hard work and a lot of balls and all that, but, um, there was some guidance, yeah, some trust there. So, um, where did you go to college? I went to Berkeley college of music. Oh yes. So you're, so were you interested in musical growing up then? Oh, yeah. I what? was always in performance since I was like seven. And what did you perform? Did you start playing music? Music, your focus or? Um, I did a lot of theater when I was a kid. My mom's also was also a theater teacher. Before, oh, okay. before she got into administrative work and in, in working for the city, my mom did a lot of a lot of different jobs. But for the most part, she taught uh, theater to kids after school programs and um, she also was very active in her own community theater group. So that was kind oh, of like, so that's that was how like you were my, exposed yeah. to theater. Did you go to see a lot of theater? Yeah, I'm actually, that's what the footlight is named after. There is a, uh, the oldest community theater organization in the country is called the footlight club. And it's based I out of, I did not know this. Yeah, it's, based, what we're learning here. <laughs> it's based out of Jamaica plain. It's, uh, they, they, they do every, they operate out of this beautiful, amazing antique, like theater called uh, Elliot Hall that's been preserved. It's a historical landmark in, in Boston. And it has like this, like the wood slat iron seats and everything. Wow. So like my mom and I used to go there often, like she had a lot of friends that would participate in uh, performances there. So we would go see so, her friends. So perform. what did you, what, so you were like a little kid on, on stage, but what about the music? Like, is so, that, was that your main focus when you went really, to college? Well, Yes, but I started focusing on music earlier than that because I started taking a lot of music lessons when I was like 11, uh, 11 to 14. And 
I still did theater all the way through that time. And I ended up applying to the Boston Arts Academy, which was uh, a performing arts high school in Boston. And we were actually, I was actually in the first graduating class because it was a brand new school. So I got accepted for both theater and music. So, well, you're talented. So you had a lot of innate talent. Yeah, you're, but I had to I had to decide between music and theater, though, because they couldn't do a dual major at that time since oh, it's a wow. new school. I ended up choosing music just because I remember like being brought into the headmaster's office because they'd accidentally like enrolled me in both programs. Wow. And uh, she was like, you're going to have to make a choice. Do you want to do music or do you want to do theater? And here I am, this 15-year-old kid sitting in her office. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I guess I'll do music because I have less like uh official experience in music so i'd rather i'd have more to learn in music so i'm just going to go with music that's interesting because a lot of kids or a lot of people see that's such a good thing because a lot of people wind up going towards what they're they're comfortable doing or what they know they're good at and um that's not that that can work out well for you but there's not necessarily going to be a lot of growth in there right so are you glad do you feel like you made the right decision oh it's crazy to think how that one decision Mm -hmm. dictated Mm -hmm. an entire life path for me so what kind of music like what became your focus as far as music goes i started getting really into songwriting young i started writing songs when i was like 16 or 17 they weren't good but <laughs> I started, but for, I, I just needed expression. Like I did, I did have, mm-hmm. you know, my childhood was great, but my adolescence was troubling. <laughs> really? How come? Um, I had a lot of uh, mental illness problems. You had mental up. illness? Oh yeah. I'm like, bipolar. Are you really? I am. So what side are you on right now? You seem, you I'm seem bipolar, very happy. <laughs> I'm bipolar too. So it's, there's a little bit less bipolar peaks and waves. Too? Yeah. Oh, that's, I didn't know there was like a subset. Oh yeah. There's two that one is like, you know, yeah, crazy, right. not sleeping, spending all your money. Yeah. Two right. is more just like I didn't know that. getting like hypomanic and being super productive and then like having a crash and having to sleep for two days. Wow. <laughs> so, um, did did so how did that come out like did it were you on did that bring a lot of instability or did yeah so i it was was your high school high school it it was crazy because like i entered high school and i was on this like crazy high because i'd always wanted to do what i was doing and i was finally had everything i ever wanted and i was so lucky um but i still felt bad or just like not great you know like i had like this like I felt so, I and I felt so, uh, were, like ashamed. And were and, you like an outstanding student or like yeah. outstanding? Okay. I had I had straight A's, and I I also, I had a full scholarship to college. Fuck. <laughs> but like, oh I, man, and good parents. <laughs> oh man, you have like the charm. Like your <laughs> life is perfect. Oh yeah, so, so jealous. No. <laughs> All yeah, right, being um, bipolar is no, I'm <laughs> not great. So anyway, so everything was fine, and then when your hormones probably started uh, yeah, acting up in yeah. high school, then you became um really imbalanced. So you're obviously a driven person, <laughs> yeah, and you were driven in high school, and that's how I dealt with the and that's how emotional you became, instability. Did so well, yeah. So you were doing really well, but then you were really depressed, and you didn't know why, yeah. And um, is there any depression in your family? Um, well, bipolar is hereditary. Yeah, that's and what I thought. That's been speculative. I'm not. But I, I mean, do you do you see that in your parents or anything? like Not that? in my parents, but in other members of my family. Okay. So you were bipolar, and how did it um, come out? How did it How did it get diagnosed, or how did it? It took a long time. Um, I was. I had 
I've dealt with my emotional instability in, in very unhealthy ways. And I tried to get drugs and alcohol, sex, mm, mm, eating disorder, ah, eating disorder, <laughs> eating right. disorder and uh, hyper proactivity in school. And were you a perfectionist? Not sleep, of course. Yeah. And uh. I would like never sleep. I would work all the time. I had two jobs in my, my junior year. It was wow. just like distract, distract, deflect, deflect. That's like all, that's and, how I dealt with. And how anything. did your parents, like, were they just like, we're so proud of our daughter, such an overachiever. My, my poor parents, like talented and honestly, like, I was, yeah. I was a mess and I, I was not, uh, extremely open with them. And, you know, I don't, think that they knew how bad things were for was, me was it more that you were just unhappy and you and you weren't talking about it or because were I you felt acting, bad yeah, yeah. i was or were you acting I felt bad out. about it were you acting out and being doing like things no i didn't really i didn't being, really act doing, out so you were kind of a good kid just not happy yeah i was really unhappy so no one noticed because you were like you're great yeah and yeah. i i didn't want them to notice either right. so like you're a perfectionist I, I was and i was Part protecting the them Oh, yeah. I always wanted to smart. protect my parents. Why do you think that is? You well, seem... the same reason why they didn't want us to know about our financial worries. So do you, you think know, that... we protect each other? Do you think that? Um, hmm, that's interesting because do you think? I mean, I think it makes perfect sense that you would have that in your nature to be like a business owner because you have all these people working for you, and you kind of need to protect them, right? Yeah. So do you feel like? You're, do you do you enjoy protecting people, or is it something you're natural at? Or? I think it's a definitely uh, inherent quality. Uh huh. <laughs> I also like I I think a lot of that had to do with uh, my relationship with my brother growing up too, because mm-hmm. we're five years apart, and mm-hmm. I I remember the first time holding him. Like I have this memory; it's one of my earliest memories of them handing me this baby on the couch for the first time and holding him and just like looking at this little tiny baby and just thinking to myself like. I am going to protect him with my life. <laughs> I just remember thinking like he's so small and he's so cute and squishy. I just want to hold him forever. Wow. You know, I loved him so much immediately upon holding him. And wow. like, and that sort of carried through. Like I always looked out for him. I always wanted to protect him, you know, till now. And now he's a corrections officer. Yeah, you did a totally good job. Protect now he needs to protect but that's interesting because what he does is very protection oriented as well. Yeah. No. Well, we also we come from a law enforcement background family. Like my both my grandfathers oh. were on the police department at one point. My mom's father was actually superintendent of police in the seventies. Holy fucking shit! Yeah. So we we come from a, a law enforcement background. So protection is like sort of part of your yeah yeah it's a kind of family crest. <laughs> Let's look at how that how that ex- how that works out in in your relationship. Can we ask you that? Yeah. Let's ask you that. Um, so you're tell us about. So Tim is Tim, like Tim is very very active in Tim Che, who's um, awesome. Yeah, we have to get him on here. We have to get you guys on together. Sometime. Oh man, that would be maybe a blast. right before your <laughs> might right before you get married. Oh or man, that would be great. Months that would be awesome. <laughs> so Tim is. I mean, if you've been to the Footlight, you've met Tim as well, and he he's great. We love Tim. We know that. Uh, I do not know Tim very well either, and uh, so but. So tell me, how did you guys meet? How long have you been together? Give me a little bit of intake on that. Oh, well, we met at the Bowery Poetry Club, at the NYC Talent Show, which again now is at Footlight every Monday, and it's a fantastic show. Um, I I loved going to it. It's actually one of the first things I ever went to in New York, and saw Tim perform. Probably, I mean, probably the first time I was there. I mean, we used to go there all the time, 
And I saw him perform over the years and I always really admired him and I admired his energy and his performance was always funny yet passionate. And what, what did he do? Tim, uh, he's done a lot of things over the years. Like he moved to New York uh, on to do spoken word. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what was the like? Explain the at the time. Well, so that when, you that when you, I when I met him, he was sort of going from through spoken word and sort of like a storytelling style into comedy. Mm-hmm. So like he was kind of like making that transition mm-hmm. in his work. Mm-hmm. And uh, and his performances were just so passionate. He would get up on stage and he literally just scream at us. And mm, that's cool. And like with observations and and f- sometimes funny, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. You know, but like I just mm-hmm. I loved his passion. So, right. And, you know, so that's a co- that's cool. You were like really turned on by his work. Oh yeah, his I was persona. like I thought he was I thought he was pretty special. So you got a crush on him. I had a huge crush on him. And then what happened? Did you guys? So it was like. We were sort of friends first. We would talk and stuff at the at the mic. We would hang out after at Mars Bar and stuff. Oh man, Mars Bar! <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then like just after a oh. while, I started realizing that I had more of a crush on him than I thought I did. And then uh, it's actually a disgustingly cute story. But like on Valentine's Day, oh, I no. I know I can't believe it. I hate Valentine's okay, Day. Okay, okay, me. You know, I, I used hate to have this T shirt. I made this T shirt and saw them. Uh, I have I had a long a long long single life folks and I used to make t-shirts and sell them it said <laughs> Valentine's Day is just a society's way of saying fuck you to people like me so don't yeah don't feel bad about I know I, I look hate and that. look at you now and look at you now. I know. so th- this was what was happening on that particular Valentine's Day I was single and I did. I was a roaming kissing booth girl for Skits and Tits because oh, they cool. were having Skits and Tits. Diane and Tanya. Jessica Delfino and Tanya they were doing a Skits and Tits uh, Valentine's Day edition, um, and I was one of their roaming kissing booth girls. So I was cool. accepting dollars for kisses for charity, uh-huh. and so were like those you know, tongue kisses. No, they All were right. just. There okay. was it was, was sweet. It was more nice. like a sweet innocent Very charity sweet. thing. Very sweet, you know. But I was dressed up in like spangly booty shorts and like <laughs> crop top, be, <laughs> so so people could just grab you. No, no, no grabbing, no grabbing. Jesus, no, this is like you know, this is a feminist show. You're calling it. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> no, I I had complete control over what I wanted. So you do. were you were it's dressed up of my collecting body. money for yes. like. And so Tim was the last person to give me a dollar and he gave and I gave him a kiss and it was just like, whoa, I really like him. <laughs> and what happened after that? Um, Did you give him the money back? Did you pay him? Um, no. Then like a couple, but probably like a couple months later, um, we like hung out one night after open mic and just like went, went home and like had our time. So it's just like <laughs> mutual. No one. Yeah. No, no. One, no It was one... really gradual and it was really mutual. Both of us really nice. liked each other. He had started coming to my shows too. And he like would draw me little pictures. And oh, like, so he, he did, yeah. did. Have you guys talked about it? Did he have a little bit of a crush on you? Oh, I know he had a crush. Oh, on me. Yeah. oh wow. It rarely happens. That sounds so healthy. Yeah, Jeez. it was very gradual. Right. But now that was six years ago. So oh, six years ago, we've been together for six years. Nice. Can I ask you how old you are? I'm 34. Oh, nice. And is Tim like the same age? Uh, he's 33. That's like we're the like same a, we're age. like a year and a half apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice. That's such a fucking. You know. <laughs> you know. It's weird. I can't believe how fucking normal you are <laughs> for how much craziness you are involved in. You are the normal person behind craziness. 
Um, but I want to do a station ID. Don't you think that will be fun if we yeah. talk about how great Radio Free Brooklyn I is and how idea. people can donate money if they go to the RadioFreeBrooklyn.com page that's a good idea. and remind them that they're listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm talking with Laura Regan, um, the owner uh, of the of the Footlight, uh, which we are hearing about Um and you know why we're here? I also want to give because you've been talking about the uh, New York City talent show that mm-hmm. Victor Varnado uh, he hosts often. Him and Tim, yeah, him and Tim, right? And I want to use this as a chance to let people know. Uh, Colby's listening to this, by the way. Colby Smith, are you torturing Colby <laughs> Smith? My uh, partner, my co-host on this, is uh, is doing uh, journalism, teaching journalism to uh, to children if you call eight to 10 children uh, this summer. And he's probably doing that right now. Are you torturing those kids? Are you teaching them how to hold a pen? Is that what learning journalism is at that age? Anyway, we're doing this really great showcase with comedy, pornography, art, and music. Me, as you know, Laura, but I want to tell tell all my fans listening mm-hmm. that we're doing this really cool showcase, um, Colby and myself, who's another host here, on Radio Free Brooklyn. He hosts Young Persons Radio at uh, 10 o'clock Sunday mornings. And we're going to be grilling people about the sessions that they had on with me. And then they're going to do their act. It's going to be really awesome. But it's right before the New York City Talent Show. So we're tying these shows together, folks. So if you come there at like 7, you can have like a great time all night. We will inspire you. And then you can do the open mic after. At, at the New York City, right? Don't you that think it's kind of like a, a fucking amazing idea. evening? <laughs> That's going to be such gonna be a great evening. evening. So we're really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, back to you, back to you, mm-hmm. back to you and Tim. So you guys are married, and you guys aren't married. Right. Uh, so you're getting married in two months. You've been together six years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so do you protect him? That's what I want to know. I think so. Really? I, are you I, a bit of his protector? To. I try to. I think he is... How does way that, more independent than uh so how does the protection part play out in your relationship you think um i think for me like tim is definitely a very impulsive person which is something that i love about him mm-hmm. um and you know he's very much i think i think something i love about tim is that he is all about just experiencing things and experiencing life mm-hmm. and i think sometimes i get a little overprotective when you know i know like he has to work a double the next day and i get freaked out about him staying out too late and like not getting rest and like i worry more about his physical well-being than anything else because that's Mm -hmm. really the only thing i have to worry about does he does he push himself a lot i think yeah physically physically yes i mean he's been a bike delivery guy for a few years now and like Mm -hmm. it's just it's a challenging job it's uh really physically demanding and I just worry sometimes that like he's going to burn out hurt? or get hurt. He's been hurt a few Th- times. That is a little scary. Yeah, it is. But don't you think, you know, I can see a connection between that and being a policeman. Uh-huh. Can you? Because like if I was married to either one, I'd be like, oh, my God, he's going to go out and get hurt as a policeman. Yeah. Or always oh, going to go out and get hurt. I don't know. Those things are cha- those things. I don't I'm not using the word challenging. Those things would fucking freak me out. Yeah, it's it's it is it's challenging. It, it is it's challenging to love someone who is in danger a lot of the time. <laughs> you and, know. And did you ever think about um, having like? I mean, so you know. So here's what here here here. This is what I'm thinking. So you have you've been a bartender most of your 
life bartender yeah. musician what we say yeah did you play out a lot were you playing i mean what was your career goal or was there a career goal or? i think there was a career goal at one point but i think that that has a lot to do with uh berkeley too because like i went i went to berkeley i got a full scholarship to go to berkeley um it's the only school i applied to because i knew they were going to give me a scholarship because i basically gone to school year round for three years doing every single after school summer program they Jesus had. Christ. I, yeah, I had no teenage fun. Mm. <laughs> I worked constantly. Well, at least you got something out of being depressed. I, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I just focused on mm-hmm. the future and everything mm-hmm. was about I, the future. And I kept, always used to think to myself, I wish I could fast forward to the future and see what it would be like. Um, and so like everything that I did as a teenager was just to prepare myself for future exploits but what's crazy is that like i never really had a picture in my head as to what that was going to be Mm. and not to get too dark but like when i when i was a teenager and when i was really struggling with this by undiagnosed bipolar disorder um i had a constant thought in my head that i just wasn't going to live out the year i just always thought i was going to kill myself (laughs) really you were really depressed yeah i it wasn't that it wasn't even depression like it wasn't even about depression it was just about like you know, just wanting to give up because, you like, know, feeling, yeah. feeling hopeless, feeling like feeling hopeless, feeling like, feeling like no matter what I did, I'll never feel happy like that. Like that was the kind of hopeless. Yeah. yeah right. And and like because it's one thing that happens with bipolar, too, is you have like I think it's called dysthymia. It's like, yeah, right. It's Chronic when you're like just under happy. Yeah. And it, it's like you're so close, but like so far away. So are you on medication now? Now I'm not. I have I was medicated for like seven years and then I stopped taking my medication. I moved to New York because I lost my health insurance. Um, and uh, honestly, it's been the best choice I've made. I it, Every single body, every single brain is different. So I'm not going to advocate that other people who may mm-hmm. have this mental illness not take their medicine. Mm-hmm. I think that my brain in particular, um, as long as I have balance in my life, as long as I'm sleeping normally, eating normally, you know, exercising mm-hmm. a bit, like keeping a routine and a schedule. I don't, I don't need medication. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not, but to say, that? that's not to say that I'll never go back mm-hmm. on it again though, either. So like, you know, you, you never were, know. Were you in therapy? I was in therapy. I started therapy when I was 16 because mm-hmm. my eating disorder had gotten really bad. Uh, so and, is that how, how people started noticing that you had yeah, emotional problems? Yeah. Because you were a perfectionist. So you had anorexia. Yeah. Ah, were you hospitalized? Not for anorexia. I, I was, uh, Oh, for something else. Well, I was in therapy for a few years and I tried to kill myself a couple times. Oh man! And then when I, they had me on all this medication that was not right for me. Uh, I had a really bad psychiatrist. I had a really great psychologist and I had terrible psychiatrist, mm-hmm. uh, who was treating me for the wrong disorder. She was treating me for schizophrenia, which uh. is actually really common in women who have bipolar disorder because some of the symptoms that are exhibited in, especially adolescent bipolar, uh, mm-hmm. can mirror uh, schizophrenia symptoms. So she was treating me, she was seeing me 20 minutes a month. She would see me Terrible. one time a month. Terrible. And, and she was prescribing drugs for me that were completely wrong. So by the yeah. time I was in my first year of college, I... I, I couldn't remember anything. I had terrible short-term memory. I would fall asleep in class mm-hmm. and it just got so bad that like I was going to give up again and I wanted to kill myself again. And I actually like was on a bridge over mm. a highway, mm. just going to jump into the, into the cars and like, end my life. And right as I was about to climb up on the thing, I had like this flash of like my brother 
Ah. And I thought to myself, like, he will never forgive me for this. Ah. I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. So like I and that so I went straight to my psychiatrist who I'd had an appointment with that day. And I was going to kill myself before it because fuck her. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got a real big problem with them. Um, I've had, I have a lot of really bad psychiatrist stories. Yeah. I mean, I do. I'm not going to. S- I'm a huge advocate for, for, uh, for psycho, for psychology. Like I think, you know, talk therapy, CBT therapy are really great I, tools. Yes. Yes. But I mean, the reason I'm so cynical about psychotherapy is because, um, as a practice, it doesn't have enough regulation and, mm. um, there are a lot of really bad shrinks. There's there some are. great shrinks. It's a great technique. It's a great method. There's a lot of great things that can be mm-hmm. done. But unfortunately, there's a lot of bad shrinks. And I think, you know, we can't just treat them. And, you know, some, I mean, they, we give them too much power. I totally agree. So uh, anyway. Yeah. But, but, um, but that's you've had, that's but you've had a range of experience. Yeah. So that's when um, I was hospitalized at that So point. did your pa- parents freak out or like, oh my God. How, how, so were they hospitalized? So that's when you were hospitalized because the psychiatrist said that Laura was going to kill herself. So no, I went to the psychiatrist and said, I want to be institutionalized. Uh, this medicine is wrong. I don't feel right. Smart. I want, you knew. I want better treatment. <laughs> I basically went down and went in there. Wow. I was like, I don't, I don't feel safe in my body. I don't Mm -hmm. feel safe in my mind. Like I need to change something. Mm -hmm. And my psychiatrist, you know what she said to me? She said, you know, Laura, it's not a vacation. (laughs) It's like, like that makes me want to punch. I know. And I was like, you know what? This is just like even more reason for me to go in because then I don't have to see you anymore. You knew, you knew, you knew she was fucked up. You knew knew it was So when, as soon as I got into the doctors and to the intake at the psych, at the psych hospital, I told them what she said and I told them what she had done to me and they were very sympathetic. And even though it was so scary to be institutionalized, it was one of the best decisions I ever made because they were then able to properly diagnose me, wean me off the bad medicine that I was on and get me on a cocktail that would help me achieve Mm -hmm. the balance that I have now. Mm -hmm. So it, I, so is that life altering then? Absolutely. And I also want to point out that my impression, um, that suicide is almost, often a compulsion Mm. i think did you feel like that like people think that it's like a thought out process or something but i don't think it really is i think it's just kind of a a compulsion and and um very rarely is it thought out yeah and that people can't help themselves almost no right because it's like a nagging thought in the back of your head that is just there and you can't quiet it yeah and it's it's really difficult you just start imagining yourself in every situation you're in you're standing on the train platform and you can see yourself falling in front of the train you're like you're at your house and you can see yourself just slitting your wrist with your knives like it's just like everywhere you are there's a way to kill yourself and and that's what that's what being suicidal feels like and and i think that's very misunderstood do you Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of a shame because i think more people would get help if that was i mean i'm glad thank you for talking about i'm glad we're having this chat because i think people need to be aware of that yeah suicide awareness is is extremely uh unnoticed and and it needs to be more present but i also think that people think it's a very conscious choice and it's not really quite right conscious and i hate that people shame people for (laughs) feeling suicidal and for and call them selfish and like I mean yes it is a selfish act but like imagine being in their shoes for like five minutes and and what that must feel like to fucking shame in the society over the most bullshit crap so I I mean don't get don't even 
Don't even. My mantra lately has been uh, have compassion for your yeah. process. There's no shame in shame. That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. So what? What? Did, how do your parents respond when they? So what happened? They get a call, oh, call my from poor, you. My poor parents. Did they like, get a call from you or from um, the I probably my doctor. I think I don't mm-hmm. actually don't really did they remember. Just show up and there there you were in a I, yeah in a in a, in a, in a I mean, this isn't oh strap down straight jacket were yeah. you? No, I wasn't. Never in a straight jacket, but I, they, I was you were, on you suicide were watch. Were you restrained? restrained? A lot, yeah. Yeah. I saw my dad restrained once. It's not pretty. No. It's weird. It's really Did you uh, feel degrading. weird being respa- restrained? Were you like... I feel like it was unnecessary. I mean, how can I really... Like, was that like a freaky thing? Was it like, oh my God, I'm restrained? Or yeah. were you out of it? Or uh, No, I was pretty present, present most of the times that I've been restrained. But you were a kid. You were young too, so you probably didn't feel... I mean, it's horrible, but you probably didn't feel... You felt like... They, the adults were doing everything anyway, right? Um, honestly, like, because th- that was not the first time that I'd been, I'd been, because I'd been admitted uh, for an overdose when I was 17. Overdose of? I took a box of diet pills and oh. a fistful of Advil and hoped to die. Mm. And I do not recommend... <laughs> going that route because it felt like my heart was going to explode. I mean, I that actually, hard. You I must should have thrown have up. Did you throw up eventually? Uh, <laughs> while That's not funny while being restrained. So, oh my God. And so they, they had left me in a room by myself, restrained, strapped down. And I just started to throw up and nobody came to help me. That's torture. It was, yeah. It, it was. So cool. how did that, like, how did like, so you, how did that happen? Um, that was, that was the first serious suicide attempt that mm-hmm. i'd ever had um, where did you get the diet pills were they over the counter yeah i bought them yeah over like like i had been i had been type. taking them uh, like because i had an eating disorder right but they were so, like over the counter yeah type. They, okay. but they were the they, i don't think they make them anymore they were the kind with yeah, like, all the I had bad them drugs in too. Them. yeah i know yeah if i even smell them now i want to throw up good uh, so anyway, so you were taking, so you had legal drugs that you overdosed on. Yeah. Okay. Or legal, whatever. So, um, were you passed out or how did you get to the hospital? Um, I basically got buyer's remorse. <laughs> I started to uh, shake all over and uh, I went straight to my psychologist's office and didn't even, didn't have an appointment. She came out and saw me and was like, okay, we're going to the ER. Good. I don't know what you took, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you're in for a night. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and that was also a very terrible experience too, because the ER doctor was super rude and horrible to me and basically called me a selfish, spoiled brat that I should mm. be grateful for what I have and all this stuff. And I was like, nice. you have literally no idea what my situation is like I don't even know what my situation is I don't know why I feel this way I don't want to feel this way that's why I tried to kill myself I don't like that guy either no I had some pretty bad doctor experience so did your parents show up then yeah my mom was devastated mm. and um real and like I mean my my mom and I had a, a pretty strained relationship during my adolescence just because I think she didn't know what to do with me she didn't know why I was sad she didn't understand it and you know, and she knew something was going on, but I wasn't being honest with her and I wasn't talking to her. And a lot of that had to do with like my mom's own, you know, kind of wall that she had put up after her father passed away when I was 14, you know, and it just like mm-hmm. a lot of things happened to like create this sort of So you didn't dynamic. feel like you could talk to her. Do you think, and, and why was that? Were you protective of her or I, were yeah, you? Yeah, I think it was, it was more so because it was a combination of wanting to protect her from the truth and... I'm feeling ashamed 
of of how ungrateful I, I was. I okay. thought of it as me being ungrateful mm. and, and selfish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I beat myself yeah. up so much mm-hmm. about it. And I just felt like, you know, my mom didn't deserve that. Have you talked to her about that directly since that time? Yeah, we've, we've had a lot of really Joseph, open... Joseph, are you listening to this? This mm-hmm. is fucking heavy shit. I'm <laughs> sorry. Are you crying now? My, my dad probably would what be What about crying. your mom? She's at work. Good. Okay. Yeah. But no, I will. She's fine. Laura's doing great. She's I am. a star. Come but on. it's because of them. It's you because know? of you, it's... Joseph. <laughs> okay. And what's your mom's name? Mary. And Mary. Joseph and Mary. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and my brother's name is Jay. Jay? <laughs> Little Jay, you know? like the Jay. Real, the holy family. Jay, you saved your sister's life. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so you felt like you didn't want to, you were protective of your mother, this protection thing. Yeah. Uh so you felt like you couldn't talk to her though. If you felt that you could talk to her, do you think that would have made a lot of th- things easier? Like, because was that like, do you think that maybe um, your shame or whatever brought you to being, um, what's the word brought on the eating disorder? Because that's a good way to like have control and use addiction and, right. and perfection. I, honestly, like I, I don't think too much about what, my parents could have done or, or should have done. No, no, I'm saying like, I'm just trying to figure out. Right. The dynamic. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't think that anything should have happened differently because no, no I don't think so either. Yeah. I, mean, I, I learned, I learned everything about who I am and what my limitations are from having this struggle in my life. And like, mm-hmm. I honestly like can't even think about it going a different way. I, I think I mean, yes, sure. Like if we had been, were able to talk more or be more open at that no, time, no, I'm just it could curious. it could have made a difference. No, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, first of all, you mm-hmm. know, you're you're obviously remarkable in a lot, a lot of ways. I'm sorry that you went through something so painful and difficult, mm-hmm. but uh, it seems like a lifetime ago now. It's a lifetime ago, and you know, you're in an amazing place now, right? I'm getting yeah. married. Are you, are you should be, I mean, I imagine you're pretty happy right now. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I think uh, in this, in this chapter of my life, I, I feel like, you know, I feel really lucky. You know, I, you know, obviously earned it. You know, I earned being and where you, I'm and at you know and I worked really hard to mm-hmm. be where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm really happy and I feel really content about where I'm in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and and it sounds like also one thing I want to point out that I think is very, very impressive is the way that um, the relationship with your husband evolved because mm-hmm. it feels really uh, natural yeah. and very like positive and very um, sort of like normal, like in, in the best sense, in normal and unusually normal in the best sense of the word. Does, does that make sense to you? No, it totally does. I mean, yeah. we, we had like, we went through stuff, you know, like we, we had challenges that we faced together and, you know, you know, we, we lost people in our lives and went through that, mm-hmm. uh, that sadness together, that grief together. And, you know, it was like these, it was like going and like, of course I would never have been able to get through the opening of the footlight without Tim, without being able to go home to Tim and just right. like your vent team. and cry. Like we're a team. Yeah. And I think like it took us, you know, these six years to sort of get to that point where we realized that we're a team and that we, you know, make each other better and stronger. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that's, that's when mm-hmm. we came to the conclusion that we would want to get married because well, we didn't really want to. Oh, uh, really? We didn't, well, we hadn't really thought too much about it. And, you know, we both said like maybe in the future, like, yeah, sure. We'll get married. But then uh, last September, just like 
off the cuff, Tim was like, I think we should just get married. I think we should oh. just do it now. And I was like, it took me about 20 times to think that he was serious. <laughs> oh, really? It wasn't until he was crying and he's, and he said, dead ass on my grandmother's grave, I want to marry you. And that's how I knew he was serious. Oh, you just gave me the chills. That's so sweet. Oh, and it was like at a bar. It was at our friend's bar. It's Milo's yard, which is down the street from Footlight, uh, which we all go to after Footlight closes because they're uh, open till four. And so we were having like a celebratory drink. I think it was like the uh, first talent show. Uh, um, and we were all excited and having a great night. And he was like, you know what? Like, I can't imagine my life any different, like without you in it. And so I think we should just get married. And then we slept on it. We thought about it and then uh, kind of went over what we wanted out of a marriage or a wedding. Mm -hmm. And then once we were on the same page with everything, which actually within like a half an hour of talking, we knew exactly what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. Um, and yeah, then we called our parents. Oh, it was actually, that... my dad was actually the first parent we could get in touch with. Oh, nice. And Joseph. He, he was at work and, uh, we called and my dad said, I said, I said, dad, dad, Tim asked me to marry him. And he goes, what? He's like, he didn't ask for my permission first. Strike, <laughs> strike one. <laughs> Strike one. Oh, I bet they're <laughs> thrilled, aren't they? They're pretty happy. My parents really loved him. So uh, we're, we're, it seems like the and I love guy. his parents. His parents are great too. Oh, that's so, so nice. he has a really great family. He has a sister, and like yeah, we are all oh. gonna get along really great. So it's pretty oh. exciting. I'm super psyched for our wedding. So you know, I just I love like I love hearing about um you know your relationship because I you don't hear enough of you know just people meeting and being um, open to what it takes t to having a nice, just just the instincts that I think you guys demonstrated to me as far as I can see um, in, you know, just like I like this person and saying to your, just being, being open about to yourself and to the other person. I like this person. It's really simple. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, a, am not good at it myself, but it really, it really sounds that way. Right. Yeah. Right. And, well, it was and, definitely like, it was a very gradual progression of, I like this person. And then it, it very quickly gradual. moved. Yeah. It, this it is when I'm gradually saying. moved into, I want this person to be part of my life. Mm -hmm. And then like that built up and then it was like, this person is now my partner. You right. know, it was like step by step. So, um, but I realized so, I loved him by how I wanted to include him in my life. But it happened through the experience of the person. It didn't happen mm -hmm. because I want this or I, my right. life looks like this. Right. And it sounds like you've lived your life pretty much that way. And I know it hasn't been easy, but that's also what's made you um, so tough. Right. And, uh, you know, smart and able to relate to people, the all the crazy people that you deal with in your day-to-day -day <laughs> life, which I can only imagine running a venue like the Footlight. <laughs> so anyway, um, I want to make sure that we get in at least one song and I wanted to get more. We're going to have to have you back. You and Tim, we're going to have to have you back together and we'll have some music. Oh, that um, be fun. But I also just want to um, remind people that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn and to um, come to the show that Colby... Listen to Colby's show. Colby's show is really great because it has so many crazy calling. It's wild. It's <laughs> wild. Like Colby's not wild. That's why the show is wild. Um, and uh, at least the at least the Colby that he that he shows the public. I don't. You know, I don't want to comment on Colby as a person fully. 
But anyway, so you should guys should come to this. It's going to be Monday, July 31st at 7 p.m. at the uh, Footlight, 465 Seneca Avenue in Ridgewood. It's going to be on my Facebook page, and it's going to be really, really fun. We have, we're going to have this crazy pornographer who's been on my show, Porno Jim. He used to have a show on the radio, and he's going to show, like, really weird pornography. Like, not not just dirty, but just really, like, a like somebody with a strap, a woman with a strap on fucking a watermelon. Oh, my Things God. Things like that. <laughs> so I am going to, um, so anyway, Laura, um, you are inspiration. I knew you were, but, like, now I, I knew you were intellectually, but now I feel it. So I'm, like, just so grateful to have you on today and get to spend some time with you and share and share the the joy that is you with with our listeners (laughs) and now we're going to get to your song get to one song i'll post the rest on my facebook page as well but what tell us a little bit about what song this is or which one uh we're going to play shelf life oh shelf life it's from uh bridget in the squares is my band for seven years and uh we still play sometimes but not very often um but this was one of my favorite songs i ever wrote Okay, folks, here you go. I think. Let's see. I don't know. Maybe not. Hmm. We are looking for buttons. Okay. I think we found one. I thought it's cute on the inside. So keep dressing me up like a dog. I am hideous, but just a character I play. 